the idea of, you know, I'm at this incredibly nice, fully accommodated luxury, you know, hotel, but here I am out on the lake with a person I don't know and just, you know, shooting the shit and having a good time, politics, religion, all the problems, all the things that we're concerned about don't matter. You know, it's just, I'm just having experience. This guy's having experience and it's together and it's great. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Cruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. So I met up with a few buddies a couple weeks ago for happy hour, and we started talking about buying Airbnbs. Now, my friends are smart, savvy dudes in their late 20s and early 30s, and we all love discussing ways to diversify our investments, but few of us are interested in investing in real estate like our parents did. The whole like traditional single-family home thing seems, seems kind of boring to us, but we all admitted that owning a vacation home, or perhaps even a few vacation homes, was something that each of us was really interested in, something that we, that we all desire. Now, in my my friend group, I'm the resident short-term rental expert since I host this podcast. So naturally, the conversation morphed into a discussion, and we were talking about whether Airbnbs were actually worth the investment, what people do about property management, how investors in this space think about design and amenities of these homes, uh, etc. And and that's when it happened. One of my buddies remarked, "I just wish there was a way to you know try out the whole Airbnb ownership thing before actually pouring my life savings into a bungalow in Joshua Tree." His comment was truly serendipitous since I had literally just been acquainted with a new startup in the space called Summer, who helps investors do just that. And yes, you guessed it, folks. I reached out to Summer, and they were gracious enough to become a behind-the-stays partner. So I want to tell you a little bit more about their gradual ownership model. And I'm going to do so in just about 10 to 15 minutes from now. And I want to talk to you a little bit about why it's the smartest way to own a vacation home, especially if this is like your first vacation rental home. But first, Here's a quick teaser. When you partner with Summer, they help you find a vacation home that matches your criteria, and then they buy the home for you. Okay, so you pay a down payment for as little as 15%, and then get this, if after two years, you've realized that the vacation rental life just isn't for you, they will refund you your whole deposit. Like, no questions asked. Now, I really want those of you who've been listening to the show for a while but don't own any of your own Airbnbs, or those of you who might like to have another one to two STRs in your portfolio, I want you to follow the link in the show notes below and learn more about how Summer might be the right partner for you to help you grow your business or to help you get into the space for the first time. So more deets to come soon. Get excited, folks. But for now, on to the show. Oh, and by the way, you can access the link, the special link to learn all things about Summer in the show notes below. But for now, back to the episode. In just a moment, you'll meet Jake Pontius, co-founder of Nook a collection of North America's most remarkable landscape hotels and outdoor accommodations. After working as a business analyst at a timeshare company, Jake left the corporate world to pursue his passion of brewing craft beer. And it was during this season of his life where he first fell in love with hospitality. Now, while Jake fell in love with the industry while working in food and beverage, his family is no stranger to hospitality. In fact, Jake's father, David, spent his entire career working as an executive in hospitality, in capacities at RCI, Hilton, and Blue Green Vacations. In this episode, Jake and I discuss why he and Michael Golden from Storied Collection are building Nook, the value of building soft brands in hospitality, what his predictions on the future of experiential travel are, why he's bullish on landscape hotels and outdoor accommodations, and so much more. You're going to love this conversation, friends. Without further ado, get ready to meet Jake.
All right, Jake, we are live, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing excellent, man. Better than I'm talking to you. Also, I really like your shirt. Most people will just be listening to this, but uh, I love uh, I love that shirt. Where'd you get it from, oh, actually? Thanks. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very old. The, it's uh, very old. The pits are, the pits are pretty gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of those. An oldie but a goldie. Um, well, man, I, I'm excited to chat with you. We were connected through uh, a friend of the pod, uh, Michael Golden, who's been on a couple of times. Uh, he's at, at, at Storied, um, and you guys are, are working together on, on a new venture, which I'm just really, really excited to, to dive into. But in preparing for this chat, Jake, I was you know Googling you as I do all of my guests and stalking mm. you a little bit on, on LinkedIn and, and learned that you've got this really cool background, uh, in, in beer, like you, you are a brewer and I want to, I want to hear a little bit about that. Like how, how does one get into brewing? I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of a, of a good microbrew myself. Uh, but, but you know, at what point in time do you realize you want to be a brewer? Yeah. I mean, you know, college would be the, (laughs) the obvious answer. But it was uh, it is interesting because I, I was um, a business analyst at a timeshare company called uh, Blue Green Vacations. Uh, that was, you know, straight out of college, first thing and uh, really liked it, but just wasn't, you know, timeshare wasn't hitting me uh, yeah. just right at the, you know, 24 year olds. Just it's just not a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I love the space, but I'd always been really into craft beer. Um, I did find it. I went to college in Chicago, and there was a bar called Hop Leaf that kind of opened my eyes as to the fact that, you know, there's s- stuff out there other than Natty and Bush. <laughs> um, and so I'd always just been really into it and kind of followed followed along and that all happened you know here we are mid millennials so it was yeah. right right in the boom and uh so i went to brewing college in chicago and munich wow. um got got my international diploma okay. in brewing and then uh started in there was in virginia for a bit um and then ended up down here in charleston south carolina for a long time and moved up and worked brewer worked in the ran the lab for both places and then production manager so all facets facets of it and even though i'm not brewing anymore uh still still support the scene (laughs) wow dude that is uh that is, first of all, that's just really cool. I think you're the first person I've ever met who's like actually a brewer. You know, my, my you know buddies, we all tried to like brew our own beer at one point, right? Because we thought it'd be like cool, and there was like some Amazon kit that you could buy that like helped you do it or whatever. And it like it, it never worked out. It was disgusting, and um, <laughs> uh, it was it was a short lived sort of like we're gonna get into this and we're gonna start a business, and and then it died very very quickly. But uh, I want to ask a, a question. Like, when when did like micro brews like really pop off? Because today, right? Uh, I'm, I actually live in DC, uh, so Virginia, you know, has has blown up in terms of like just the number of like breweries and and, and micro brews uh, in, within like an hour's drive of DC. Um, yeah. But but like my you know my dad, right? I mean, he's he's now just coming around to uh, to you know uh, a, a good citrus IPA. And but like but for him, right? And his his buddies, his generation none of them drank like micro brews. Um, and, and so yeah. like, when, when did they, when did they like really pop off? And, and from your perspective as like an industry insider, like what was it that like, you know, uh, why, why is it, why is it so famous? Uh, you know, you know, today, like what, what happened? I think, I mean, you know, there's, it. obviously you can go like in depth with it because there was the, the initial boom of the nineties, which, now those are the old heads, but you know everyone knows Sierra Nevada, yeah, and uh, you know Bells, and um, I mean, just yeah, founders, all those guys. Then that was a boom, and then it just like just dove off a cliff, came back. I've always had a kind of a theory that the rise of the foodie mm. was also kind of part of the impetus behind the rise in the craft beer scene because just Mm. people it feels like 
you know, because it was, it was a millennial focused thing. Yeah. That we all at the same time decided that like food is interest more interesting than it had been. You know, mm. I grew up I'm raised on McDonald's, but you know, once you get in the like mid twenties and decide that you know I'm going to be better than that, <laughs> and then you start expanding. And I don't know, maybe really maybe it was with like Food Network and Anthony Bourdain and just yeah. people expanding their boundaries of flavors in general. And then they also found that beer can be incredibly flavorful mm. and different. And uh, so I've always kind of theorized that that might be a big part of it. I think, I think you might be onto something that, I mean, that sounds right. I, I was wondering if it was more like, you know, you get to a certain age and if you, if you just like, don't like if wine is not your thing, obviously there's, you know, a lot of sophistication and uh, you know, elevation around around like wine and knowing good wine but if you're a beer person like m my theory was like hey maybe millennials just like made this shit up because you know millennial dudes in particular who like didn't want to become winos right but but yeah. wanted to pretend like they you know or, or, or wanted to drink something other than natty like it, like was it was it sort of created for the millennial dude that like wasn't about wine, but to your earlier point, like wanted to go out and like have a nice meal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that exactly. But it, you know, same same basic kind of premise on that, and it totally is. It's, just, it's all just millennial dude. I mean, they, I literally look. I am the spitting image of, you know, I obviously I was a brewer. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. Hey friends, I'm back with a little more information about this episode's sponsor, Summer. A quick refresher for you. So Summer takes the headache out of owning a vacation rental by taking care of sourcing, designing, furnishing, and managing your home. What makes Summer especially unique though is the pathway to ownership that they offer folks. So think of this as an option to try before you actually buy your Airbnb. They call this their gradual ownership model and here's a little bit more detail on how it works. So first and foremost, you work with the Summer team to find the perfect vacation rental. So this vacation rental would be in a market that you want to vacation in and is also in a market that makes sense for a vacation rental from an investment standpoint. Number two, Summer guides you through the whole discernment process of where, when, and what kind of home to buy. Then, when you do find the right home, you put a down payment of about 15% down, but Summer buys the actual home for you and holds it for up to two years. During this time, you can buy back the home from them at any time that you are ready, or after the two-year period, you can decide that you don't want the home and get a full refund of your down payment. Okay, crazy, right? But, but that's how it works. <laughs> Number four. Summer also covers all the closing costs and fees associated with the purchase of the home, as well as furnishing and design of the home. This means you pay far less out of pocket than you would if you bought the home yourself from day one. All right, so right now you're thinking, this is too good to be true, right? Like how does Summer actually make their money? Well, I'm glad you asked. So during the holding period, Summer rents your home on Airbnb during the day that you don't want to use it or days that you don't want to use it. Maybe you wanna visit the home for a week or so each month. Summer rents it on Airbnb for the other three weeks. Now here's what's super cool. Because Summer makes most of their revenue from renting your home until you're ready to buy it, they're actually incentivized to get the best nightly rate possible and deliver the most exceptional experience to guests that stay at your home as possible so that they can earn those five-star reviews. This means that when you do buy the home, you get a short-term rental that's already ranking well on Airbnb and has a solid performance history, so you know what to expect during high season and low season. So if you've been looking for a way to beta test the whole Airbnb game, then this is your sign. Go and chat with my new friends at Summer via the link in the show notes below and tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Oh, and one last thing, I forgot to mention, if you already have a vacation home or an STR property, you can actually bring it into Summer's network of homes. And there's a slew of benefits that uh, come from uh, you, you doing so that you can learn more from at the link in the show notes below. So there's so much more to Summer that I didn't have time to talk about today, like the fact that you can swap days at your homes for days at any home in the Summer network, you know, in case you want to spend a week in the Catskills and then the next week in Palm Beach or something like that. So I want to encourage all of you, just take 15 minutes and book a call with a Summer 
summer team via the link in the show notes below and explore how you can get your first STR or more quickly expand your STR portfolio in just about as low a risk and as high a reward away as possible. So you can learn more at gosummer.com forward slash behind the stays. That's gosummer.com forward slash behind the stays. All right, guys, back to the show. I want to hear the story behind behind Nook, right? And for for our listeners, I believe like this is like one of the first times that you guys are are publicly talking about Nook. And so, give us give us sort of like a, a quick uh, overview of what Nook actually is, and then I want to hear a little bit about how it how it came to be. How did you and Michael come to to, to partner to to create this new brand? Yeah. Um, so I mean, in in the very broad sense, Nook is uh, where a soft brand is um, what we're going for. And I know, you know, in the hotel world, that's very common, very well known. You have design collection, relay and chateau. Um, yeah. But in glamping, it's not really a thing, you know, and glam outdoor hotels, landscape hotels, just this whole new boom. Um, yeah. And so we're trying to, we're coming in um, to try to, you know, effectively kind of, set some sort of standards of just quality, luxury, yeah. directly tied to nature, experiential lodging, you know, and kind of trying to bring it all in under an umbrella that says, you know, this is good. Yeah. Versus, you know, just the absolute grab bag that it that it kind of is in the you know, going right now. Yeah. And then, uh, and it got started. I mean, it got started. Technically, it goes back a while. Um, my my dad was, is long time in the uh, travel industry, in the um, hospitality industry. Yeah. CEO of Hilton, RCI, and then Blue Green Vacations for a very long time. Um, and when he was with Blue Green, he was uh, helped that develop. Big Cedar Lodge in Branson, Missouri, which is uh, with with Bass Pro, yeah. huge huge project, um, really awesome. And then he also helped develop the Shenandoah Crossing, which is uh, in Virginia, which is um, just incredible yurts. Uh, wow! And those were that was early two thousands, so okay. early on in the space. You know, he he likes to claim that Shenandoah was the first the first true glam site built in America, you know, debatable, <laughs> but <laughs> we allow it. Um, and that got him into, into the concept. Um, and he, he has the story specifically of when he was in Branson, um, he went fishing with some other guy. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't remember the dude's name. Doesn't, you know, but they just happened to be there. He decided to go out fishing in the morning. This other guy was there. They just, got got in the canoe and went out um you know shared some beers talked and it really stuck with him of you know this the idea of you know i'm at this incredibly nice fully accommodated luxury you know hotel but here i am out on the lake with a person i don't know mm. and just you know, shooting the shit and yeah. having a good time, politics, religion, all the problems, all the things that we're concerned about don't matter. You know, it's mm. just, I'm just having experience. This guy's having experience and it's together and it's great. And yeah. um, that really stuck with him as far as the viability of the, uh, of the outdoor hotel space of just, you know, there's something obviously to it. We're also, my family is just kind of, we're big skiers and uh, hikers and all of, all of the outdoors things. And, um, but that, that stuck with him and he, he's since, you know, past, past working age, but, uh, but not quite. And so <laughs> we've always had the idea of doing something in the space, but could never really figure out what, you know, yeah. you go you go hard brand developer that's you know that's a whole beast on its own and uh but we've kept up with the industry throughout the whole this whole the whole time um yeah. and kind of got more and more 
little more, you know, streamlined as far as the thoughts go. And then Michael Golden um, had connections. My dad is was an investor for Storied. Okay. So followed that along the entire time. And that Michael's work with Storied really kind of set things off as far as I think that's what I think that's what it's needed, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know Storied was had has been on the show talking about Storied. Storied's a soft brand for castles and manor houses in the UK. And uh, that was what set that soft brand kind of alarm of, you know, that's it doesn't exist. There is nothing of that so far when we were yeah. first thinking about it. Um, out there, seemingly, it's more really is big development, um, you know, but not nothing in that space. So it just seemed right. The stars were aligned. Michael got storied, um, you know, going, running smoothly and doing so well. So we asked to, if he would come and help us, let's do that for the outdoor yeah. hotel space. And that's yeah. pretty much pretty much where we are which which is uh it's it's so incredible to see sort of like how the industry how quickly everything is evolving and and this idea that you know there there are a lot of developers right now uh or maybe not a lot but there are there are a handful at least of of, of great developers who are building these really cool landscape hotels uh, i think of ben wolf from onera uh, as an example of this and ben's you know a, a good friend and the work that he's done is just absolutely incredible the project that they're working on in wimberley texas is super super cool there are several others uh, who are who are doing this as well but you know they they don't really have the time to think about sort of like how how you know beyond Airbnb and their direct booking site where else might they want to to fit or to live or all, all the work to to essentially do f with with respect to kind of marketing and branding and and having some sort of like aggregate aggregate place where people that have an affinity for like the Oneras of the world can can come and, and find you know find community and find other oneras there isn't sort of this like centralized place where where that exists and i think we're we're entering this era of of hospitality of travel as you know well jake where you know today's traveler they they're looking for a more experiential stay they're looking for a, they're looking for a, a an insta worthy experience right um and they're willing to pay a premium for that but it's a lot of work to market and to sell and to promote yourself while you're also developing the actual, you know, glamping site, right? And and thinking through that whole business, it's an entirely other business to think about sort of like, how are we at scale gonna, gonna bring this particular site to to the masses? How do we help develop like a consumer-facing brand for for these sites? And I think, you know, these a lot of these folks are are trying to do that, but they're they're recognizing how freaking hard it is to both just do the work of managing these properties, developing these properties, and then also building a brand at scale that consumers can resonate with. So I think that what you, what Michael has done with Story, what you guys are doing with Nook, it's it certainly seems at least to be like the right place at at the right time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's well, that's what we're hoping. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, and you know, and you know, for uh, it. It does seem that way. I mean, like they just announced right yesterday that uh, Under Canvas is now working with um, SLH, um, small leading hotels of the world, um, okay. which is a I, I missed very that. large. I didn't even hear that. I, I yeah, totally missed I that. Just, okay, I cool. just saw the post yesterday. I can say it because I was, it was publicized <laughs> yesterday. But, uh, but yeah, which just to us, you know, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad great for under canvas great for slh but it shows to us certainly that there's definitely uh you know viability in the idea in the concept and also you know desire i mean for someone like under canvas to to recognize the strength of being affiliated with a soft brand is a is a big one for us and yeah. then um yeah i mean and that's you know kind of one of our big things with it is there is so much but um, well, like and like you said with Ben with Onera, you know, it's amazing. He's doing amazing work, creating amazing properties, and to get, yeah, you have your right for like what Wimberley and and Fredericksburg, Austin, San Antonio yeah. kind of markets. How do you get to that national level? And with so many, not so many, but like you said, you know, a, a number of really great developers, but to how can they help each other without yeah. 
them having to kind of, you know, focus in and go in and forge those relationships themselves, because that's kind of a big part of what we want to do is uh, I, ca- I keep calling it the rising tide approach of, mm. you know, you get member properties and we can all we're all sharing with each other, you know, not just leads, but, you know, uh, manufacturers, sites, how this worked, this didn't, you know, um, just making it more of a community where yeah. obviously this space is, but it's such a diverse background of people. And it's been really fun um, just talking, you know, talking with everyone. It's, every, it's so different. Everyone's so different. It's very yeah. separate from the hotel world, you know, and from the established hospitality world where it's kind of, you know, long-held position, people in positions for long periods of time. Everyone knows what's going on. It's more of just, you know, what are the numbers? What's that? Yeah, you know, this is it's it's you know, it's just people people doing yeah. things that they they're either it was their dream passion, you know, they they thought it was a great business model and just have grand plans, but it's always different. And uh, that to me is is a great opportunity for the whole space to just kind of be able to come together and make it more of a community than it already yeah. is. Now. Just for our, our listeners' sakes, when we're, we're talking about like a soft brand here, right? And we're talking about Nook really leaning into the like landscape hotels uh, and, 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 and glamping sites. Like walk us through sort of how the business actually works. Like are you guys uh, – are, are, is the hope, hey, let's build a, a massive consumer-facing travel brand where folks – you know, like me who are spending way too much time on Instagram, right? See a property that is featured on Nook. I go, I go to the Nook website and then I book through you, even though it's like, let's just say, you know, the Monarch, which is a, a, a property at um, Onera Fredericksburg. Are, are, will you guys act sort of as, as an OTA? Is the model like, hey, no, we're really just sort of like a splash page to get people to then go to Onera's site and book direct? Like, what is what is actually the actual business model of Nook? Yeah, so not an OTA. That is uh, that's very clear for us. Uh, something that we don't don't want to get into. Um, yeah, there's the model. I'd say it's kind of you know three segments um, to it, but uh, the two core segments would be B two B and then B two C. Obviously, yeah. um, as a soft brand, we are the brands that we, you know, the businesses that we work with. Uh, so the B2B side is really about, um, we kind of have uh, three pillars, if you will, um, approach to it, to what we, essentially what we're offering, but yeah, it's a you know, representation, content, and community. So it's finding the, uh, exactly like we, what we were just talking about, you know, a national scale for PR um, and uh, group sales is another big part because some places are set up and have gone into the group space very specifically Um, where, you know, some others that's kind of that's a pain point of, you know, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's been tough. How do you, how do you get that? And so, you know, we will be, we go to, um, wedding planner conferences and, you know, all the various things like that and do the networking for them so that you don't have to, it's not something yeah. that most businesses can really afford to spend their time focusing on, um, yeah. you know, content to your, of course, social media and SEO. And that is, you know, it can go anyway. And that's where, why I think this business is so fun because it really is trying to meet the needs of, the brands that are of the uh, businesses that we partner with at where they need it the most, you know, and being able to, to put our efforts towards that so that they don't have to worry about that because they've done such a good job focusing on the other stuff. Um, Yeah. And then community, the, that aspect is just exactly what I was talking about as far as um, the rising tide approach of, you know, getting this group together and it's we learn from one another and really um use the knowledge and efforts of everyone to get there like to 
achieve what everyone wants. Everyone helps everyone else. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What's so interesting about this, right, is like, and, and why I think this this whole model is is absolutely fascinating. And I think Michael might have mentioned this on uh, when he was on the pod, but he was he was talking about how like essentially you could just go to the new like Airbnb categories that they have, and you could just build a soft brand around like each of those each of those categories. Uh, and 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 the value right in, in doing what you guys are doing to to sort of you know the owners of the world and and, and others is that. It's really it, it it's really 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 hard to acquire a customer. Period. Right. It's it's very difficult, especially a, a, a customer directly, as opposed to a customer you might get through through an OTA. Um, it's very difficult to get them to come back, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it's even more difficult to get them to come back and then like stay in like a different property that you might own and or and or manage, right? And yet, what you guys are doing if successful, what, what Nook could, what Nick Nook can do, right. Is it, it can actually be that vehicle that says, Hey, well, if Zach stayed at Onera, chances are, he's going to like, he's really going to love this other property over here. Or like, Hey, Zach's, you know, tr you know, frequents, uh, both Texas and Shenandoah and also Northern California. We know that he's already stayed at with, with, you know, uh, Ben in, in, uh, Onera Fredericksburg, chances are he'll probably like our NorCal property as well. Right. And, and like the, the ability to kind of share customer data to help, you know, give, give, um, trends to, to your partners, right. And your community members is insanely valuable. And then on top of that, the ability to build a strong consumer facing brand is just, it, it's nearly impossible to do at a national scale with one or two or even like three or four or five regional sites, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's like Onera is going, you know, I, again, I, I have mad respect for them. It's going to be really difficult to build like a national brand when they've got, you know, two locations right now in, in the Texas Hill Country, right? Uh, and, and yet Nook is positioned to build a national brand around folks that love experiential travel, that love glamping, that love landscape hotels. And then, being able to partner with folks again, like, like Onera, it, it's doing, it's doing work that quite frankly, they'll just never be able to do unless they dramatically shift their business model, which, which would be silly, uh, you know, in, in its own right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and that's where that's that the B2C part, you know, and it's interesting, um, that building a soft brand is, uh, because, you know, you start with, nothing and uh, yeah. you can't yeah you know um you can't build the b2c without first having the b2b but it's hard to sell the b2b when without there the is B2C. no bc <laughs> uh so that's that's a fun fun thing to navigate every day but um but the b2c is something that i'm really we're really you know i i i want that to be our real a really important part of Nook. Um, yeah. When I think of the bigger, you know, the big soft brands, the one, so like when I have conversations with uh, just friends who are asking yeah. what I'm, what I'm doing, yeah. you know, for work, most, almost no one knows what a soft brand is. It's just, yeah. that's not a term people are familiar with. And then if you give them examples, most people haven't heard of that, you know, um, which is fine, but that's, 
And then I always use Relay Chateau because to me that's a it's very easy to like wrap your head around the idea of okay, Michelin star restaurant yeah. lodgings. So like yeah. for if you are a foodie who travels, re- there you go. If it's a Relay yeah. Chateau property, you're gonna like it. Um, yeah. And that is easy for you know people then can oh okay I, I can I understand that and so yeah so we're doing that for that but I think I want to you know the goal and this is incredibly lofty so uh, but my goal would be to get the B to C side to you know outdoor travel is strict it's on the rise I don't see I don't think it's I mean, it's not going down because the fact yeah. of the matter is, is, uh, you know, we're space is limited and open, beautiful space is it's just more and more valuable to yeah. just, you know, you know, monetarily, but also to people um, and for experiences. And I think that experiential travel, of course, with millennials, I it seems like Gen Z will probably kind of maintain that that pattern. And uh, I want, you know. I want to get Nook to be the, if you think of it, it's, it's Nook, you know, first, yeah. not first, but of just, oh yeah, it's a trusted, that's where I can go to, I'm traveling anywhere. If, let me go see if Nook has a property over there, you know, or if there is a Nook property in that region and I'll trust it to be that yeah. trusted brand name, but known to, yeah average like your everyday person who's not necessarily uh going you know one or two trips a year right that's the standard for people and uh and that's i think going to be a very difficult thing but that is i'd like to get to the point where if you mentioned nook to someone there's a good chance that they would at least be familiar with it yeah and uh you know how to do that that's something we're always talking about but effectively just thinking of it anyone who stays anywhere that is a nook property is a nook member you know you yeah. don't have to yeah. buy into it at all you don't have to do anything but you're a member you've you've done it you know what you know you loved it and if you want that again you know where to go yeah so. yeah well and, and that's like a really interesting component too right because like there's there's obviously a lot of talk in the hospitality space right now, especially as more of these experiential stays pop up and these more like, you know, in Instagram worthy brands begin to surface is like, how do you build loyalty, right? Like, how do you build a loyalty program? How do you build membership? Like, that's what that's hot on everyone's mind. Airbnb has never built a loyalty program, right? Like, and, and there's probably they've probably I'm sure they've thought about it, right? So there must be good reason for for why they haven't. I think a lot of that reason is, you know, comes down to standards, right? And And being able to you know, have have a very specific, there's no like class of Airbnb. They had like plus for a while. They had, you know, their, um, what was the like high end one to Lux, Airbnb oh, Lux for a Lux, while. Yeah. And both of those have kind of just like, you know, faded away. And, and therefore I think that, you know, it, it, it's incredibly difficult to build a community around one or two or even like a handful of, of locations. It's a lot easier for somebody like a Nook to build membership and to build loyalty and, and build community because of because of the model because of the fact that you're not you don't own and you're not operating these actual places like you're you're just the soft brand that that houses all of them and so i think that that's how we'll see loyalty in the short-term rental hospitality you know space uh, emerge is it's going to happen through soft brands like you all yeah and that's that's the play yeah yeah do you guys um I, i was thinking about the, again, the actual business model. So like, how are you guys like making your money? Are you, if, if, if somebody is referred to Onera from Nook, are you getting a cut of the booking? Does own, you know, do, do Nook members pay an annual subscription or like membership dues or, or like how, how are you actually making money like today, for instance? Uh, I'm so, I mean, it's, you know, we're still, still young and, um, we have our six properties uh, currently planning to launch, effectively launch in January um, with 10. And, you know, there's no, like I said, B to C side. There's no, we have no, uh, nothing monetarily structured yeah. um, for that. So it's, it is the relationships with the uh, properties and that we, it's, it kind of, it's changes. Uh, there's no, yeah. no set. St- uh, standard for us right now um it's kind of you know feeling out the space and seeing 
seeing how it works for each yeah. property. Cause that's the, you know, that's the point. Everyone's so different that you just kind of yeah. got to work with them. Yeah. So are they, are they paying like, do they, I, I'm sure it might be different, but are they, is each member paying like a annual subscription or is there some sort of like, you know, rev share agreement for when a booking happens or, uh, we're, or we're like, trying, how does that work? We're running with uh flat rates. A flat rate. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Wow. So when you guys, when you think about sort of like 2024, again, you guys are, this is brand new. It's very, very exciting. You're just getting off the ground. Like what are, what are some like big goals that you guys have for, for 2024? Like what's, what's, what's the vision for the year? Uh, I mean, it's a, that's a good question. Now we are just, <laughs> you know, um, the, the, you know, first year and this, this is all, you know, thanks to the, the beautiful Michael Golden, um, <laughs> of you know the hardest part of building a soft brand is first five properties yeah. then the next five and then the more the easier so yeah. uh so it's really the first is uh you know a business accrual uh is like the that's the real focus that's our our goal and uh because like i said the b2c part comes as the b2b part elevates um itself and so yeah i think you know our goals are constantly shifting um we were just talking about that yesterday and uh but you know 2024 i'd say if we could get to something like you know if we could get to 50 properties by by yeah. end of 2024 would be would be great it'd be fantastic yeah. um and yeah. I, I do think that's we think that's pretty doable at this point. do you know how many just like for, i i'm curious like how many like glamping resorts, how many like landscape hotels exist in the States and, and maybe even in like North America? Like, have you, do you guys have that number? I mean, not a specific set number, but that's what, and it's what's been so fun. That's what I mean is it's so different. Uh, yeah. You know, what is, I mean, that's what we've, we were having the conversation of real like the term outdoor hotels uh, mm. because it's the focus of outdoors. And then, you know, there's a discussion of, well, I don't, you know, a hotel doesn't really cover a, a, a glam site. It's not really a hotel. Yeah. But, okay. What is a hotel? I mean, <laughs> like literally, what is, what is a hotel? And so that it gets into, there's just so many, you know, landscape hotels, boutique inns, um, you know, and that's something. Nature that, immersed escapes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the terminology goes crazy craft lodging um <laughs> so it's it's really and that's why we're trying to um what we're focusing on is really the experiential aspect of it um yeah. because there are you know there are places that where it's just it looks incredible you know it's yeah. just absolutely beautiful and uh and but then there are places where it it might not visually be the most amazing thing you've ever seen you know it yeah. kind of reads more like it's a it's an inn but it's an yeah. inn on you know 50 acres in absolute pristine wilderness that yeah. has access to you know incredible fishing incredible whitewater rat you know what have you yeah. but the outdoor experience is that incredibly top notch and the service is top notch and the accommodations yeah. are top notch um and so i think that's part of the uh the kind of the I don't want to say the the game of it, but it's you know navigating that is certainly has been interesting um, and trying to pick. But if you if you open yourself up to kind of shotgun spread, the there are many 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 places <laughs> that kind of fit those parameters, and uh, and then it's you know whittling it down and and figuring out what what fits in the standards that we're trying to go for. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that we like, but again, and that's, it's, you know, especially with all the growth, it's tough uh, sometimes to, you can't set hard standards yet because there are places with goals of going to, you know, um, getting there, but they're not there yet. And so yeah. you're not going to, you can't say, you know, deny that. That's a noble thing. I think one thing we've um, kind of settled into that I could say pr pretty confidently is, is that uh, communal spaces is mm. something that we really look for, um, or mm. at least the, you know, the hope of getting to communal spaces 
just because same thing with the experiential aspect of it. I think that that's, um, it's a big part of it. You know, uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to, it's up to the person, right? It's up to the consumer, how they interact with the space. But it, it goes back to that story of my dad had when fishing, you know, part of the experience is interacting with, with others to the level that you're comfortable with. But, yeah, being able to share that experience with others is so big. Um, it's such a big part of it that. Um, so I can just say that that's that's a parameter that we certainly look for. Uh, yeah, well, and it seems too that like the you know the the travel like persona, right? If you will, the traveler persona that you guys are going after, folks that do enjoy the outdoors and do enjoy sort of like uh, alternative accommodations. And a lot of these places, like they're not necessarily cheap. Right. And so like, if you're going to go and stay, you know, at at, like the Monarch from, uh, at Onera and spend 800, 900 bucks a night or whatever, you you could be spending that at like a four season somewhere. Right. And so the, the people that are choosing to, to not spend it at, you know, four seasons and instead spend it here, are probably interested in like the people that have also done some, you know, that have also made that decision. Right. And like, yeah. who are they? And like, what, what, why are they here? And how did they find out about this place? Like I think about, you know, my wife and I, when we were traveling full time uh, on Airbnb for like a year and a half, we just like hopped around to new places every few days. And, you know, one of our, some of our favorite stays were in places where there was some aspect of community, right. Where, where you could kind of like, walk out we stayed in these incredible grain silos in in montana oh yeah, yeah. um in 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 cali spell and we you know our fire pit was probably like i don't know maybe 50 to 100 yards away from another is another's fire pit and so it was long it was you know it, the gap was wide enough where like you, you weren't in each other's spaces you, you know faces you, you you couldn't like hear what each other were talking about but you know, we like walked over and I, I shared a beer with a guy and uh, and we like my, my wife met his wife. You know, it was like a really cool, like quick, like 30 minute, like meet and greet like that otherwise would never have happened. Right. And and then, we you know, we returned to our respective silos and and, and, and went on with the night. But I do think that there is something inherently beautiful that the next generation of travelers are looking for, which is connecting with people and meeting folks that are incredibly different. Like it, it's hard to meet people today. Like it's hard to make friends today. Right? Right. Like, and, and, um, and, and I think that the ability to do to, to find people that also share a love for these kind of like unique experiences, uh, is, is few and far between. And so folks who are developing with this communal focus in mind, I think, I think are onto something. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a, that's a great, uh, you know, uh, point of, of positioning for you all yeah. as you think about growing the Nook brand. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it's the disconnect to connect, right? I mean, yeah. it's all, yeah. you know, 100%. nature, it's all about unwinding, disconnecting, but in reality, the disconnect is so that we can connect again, uh, you mm-hmm. know, non-digitally like a, a, yeah. a true interaction, which I feel like most people are pining for it. Um, you know, something, there was something that happened a couple of years ago that made it really stand out um <laughs> but then i always think of it too as a you know a way that i like to say is to me at least but it tends to land is that a honeymoon right mm. it's like your most intimate personal you know for the most part people planning honeymoons you know you think of the you know the great locations the maldi it's all about you know your own place yeah. away you can be secluded and yet yeah. almost everyone I've ever talked to their best moments on their honeymoon are when they sat down at dinner and, you know, had to share a table or share the bar with another yeah. couple or like an older yeah. couple. And they had that, you know, they just remember that conversation so well. And yeah. it's like, you know, you, yeah, you did all the, you know, you lays on the beach and stuff. But in reality, the, the keys of the most intimate you know, vacation of your entire life. The the thing that stands out are the conversations that you had. You know, I know on mine, yeah. we, um, yeah, I mean, we spent most of the time just talking with other people, just, le- yeah. you know, <laughs> learning about their lives, you know, the British family who's there on the beach when, you know, brought yeah. their kids, despite the fact that the place was pretty anti-kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's your story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys are onto something and it's, it's incredibly exciting to, to kind of hear from you, like at the, in the beginning chapters, like where, where we're at and, and, yeah. and where, where y'all want to go. So, um, I'm just super thankful for, for your time, Jake. And for folks who are listening, who might either be developing sites and, or have sites uh, already developed that they think might be an interesting kind of fit for, for, for Nook, What's the best way for them to evaluate um, evaluate that? Are you guys accepting, you know, uh, inquiries from folks oh, at of course. this juncture? Yeah, I mean, or, we're, okay, we're okay. you know totally open um, at this point. We do have our our website is um, up, still work in progress, but I mean, it's you know you can you can get a good sense of us. Um, just it's nookexperiences.com. And, uh, and then just in, in general, I mean, honestly, just shoot me an email, Jake at nookexperiences.com. Yeah. That's uh, fine. You can. Search me on LinkedIn. That's I think I assume I'm public. I <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. Yeah. <laughs> Since I was able to stalk you earlier. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, dude, I, I'm so thankful for you and your your time and the and the great work that you and Michael are doing. For folks who are tuning in, um, I'll have links to Jake's social handles in the show notes below. Also, a link to Nook Experiences website. Uh, and if you're building something or you've built something and you think it might be interesting to kind of test out with with Nook, be sure to to reach out. But Jake, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Zach. I really appreciate having me on. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.